the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one on round one today deb hutton is here former advisor to two ontario premiers jerry agar host of the eponymously named jerry agar show and scott reed is here political commentator advisor to paul martin when he was prime minister good to have you all good morning let's start at a different house of assembly though at queen's park and the provincial tories are moving to effectively silence an ndp mpp over her israel uh, comments on the israeli palestinian conflict effectively it would make her invisible in the house and the speaker would never recognize her uh scott you've been in a leader's office and probably engaged in some parliamentary shenanigans uh, what do you make of this well like I often say there's more than one thing happening here. So, you know, on the one hand, I thought that Sarah Gemma's statement uh, was really offensive. And I thought that Marit Stiles probably should have booted her from caucus or at least sat her out for a period of time as an indication of uh, displeasure and set a tone. Um, and I don't actually think there would be anything wrong with a motion that said, listen, we as a legislature want to make it clear that we condemn those remarks and you don't represent the legislature on whole. You know, having the speaker not recognize her, I think, you know, takes it one step too far. Um, and, you know, finally, let's be honest, 90% of the motivation here is the fact that they were dealing with the green belt yesterday. So let's create another piece of news that's very topical, that's going to get a lot of discussion, and that can hopefully distract from some of the political troubles. Um, doesn't mean the idea of addressing Sarah Gemma's uh, statement is unworthy. I think it's an important thing to address. Um, but uh, I know that they're also playing a little bit of knick-knack paddywhack there with the politics. <laughs> okay. Jerry Agar, I'd agree with Scott. You know, they can sanction her, but I think telling her basically to shut up is a bit much. Well, um, what's the difference? Well, you sanction somebody, you say that was untoward, but you don't tell them you will no longer be recognized in the House. You can't speak. You have no standing. Well, um, she has the standing uh, alone, I guess, of the fact that you can't take away her elected position. The government didn't elect her, the people did. And so she gets to remain as a member, even if she were kicked out of the NDP, which wouldn't be a bad idea, but the NDP has its own problems with anti-Semitism over time. And uh, anybody who is supporting terrorism, which I think Sarah Jama does, uh, does not belong in government, as far as I'm concerned. Deb Hutton, in your time in the Premier's office, would you have ever advised a measure like this? So I'm not a big fan of the motion of censure, except for against a speaker. And that's a whole other sort of parliamentary discussion. But I don't like it against MPPs. However, this motion isn't saying you're silenced. It's saying silenced until you retract and apologize, which, by the way, is essentially what her leader asked her to do and what she refused to do. She did it in sort of a half-assed manner. So my, while I don't like the motion itself, it really is consistent with what Marit Stiles asked her to do. Secondly, the NDP thought it was absolutely appropriate to do a motion of censure against Randy Hillier when he made considerably uh, inappropriate comments as well. So you, you, can't, you can't say on one hand, this is terrible, and on the other hand, vote for it when it's a member of somebody else's party. Meanwhile, uh, not to make it all about us as Torontonians, but it was a little alarming going through the morning brief today and reviewing what happened at the trial of the guy who's accused of killing four members of a family in London, Ontario. He was on the stand yesterday, and Deb, I'll start with you on this one. He admitted the day before he allegedly killed those four family members in London, he kind of had a dress rehearsal in Toronto, but decided to give it a pass. 
I, I don't even know what to say to this, John, and I realize that's not great radio, but honest to God, clearly they're putting this guy on this on the stand to make the case that that he should get off and that scares the heck out of me because it, it, regardless of how he was brought up regardless of of what he took in the way of hallucinogenics or anything else this guy deliberately mowed down a family imagine if you are friends or extended family of those individuals how this I mean, it's disturbing enough for all of us i think let alone if you were connected to this family it's just so disgusting and i hope and pray he cannot get off because of all of this jerry what do you make of uh, yesterday's testimony well i find it interesting what deb just said uh when you read through some of that stuff it does look like maybe there is some sort of uh attempt to have a not criminally responsible kind of uh decision here from the court otherwise when i looked at you know some people online oh my god he could have done this in toronto well how does that make it any different uh, it doesn't although scott reed i imagine if you're a muslim person living in toronto you reflect on gee i wonder where i was that day i'm i'm, I'm certain of that um look okay. we're having some trouble with your legal expert yeah scott we're having some trouble with your box so maybe we can ask take scott out and bring him back in i realize i'm back to school teacher mode here uh but let's see if we can improve that because i know from experience listening in the car that it drives people nuts when we get into that is he back no. Okay. So um, maybe we'll hook up with him on the telephone and let's keep uh, marching on because there are a lot of other things to talk about. It was five years ago today that we legalized cannabis. And Jerry, your take five years later, I still haven't smoked it. Well, me neither, but, uh, you know, you and I are of an age, if we were going to do it, we're going to do it. Uh, so uh, I, I guess it hasn't been an unmitigated disaster, so um, we, we just go along. I don't, I don't know whether uh, I can say it was good or bad, and when I read uh, an article on this, uh, did it increase that, decrease that? Not really marginally. It hasn't made much difference, except I found it sort of entertaining. However, arrests have gone down. Well, duh. Well, yeah, because it's not illegal anymore. <laughs> More yet, pinheads. <laughs> okay. Deb Hutton, I remember in the lead up to legalizing pot, everyone was like, oh, you know, pilots will be flying planes whacked on pot. And of course, nothing nothing like that has happened. No, I, I was not a fan and I'm still not a fan. It's it's hard as a parent to say this drug's okay, this one's not, this is legal, this isn't. I know people say, well, it's just like alcohol. In my mind, it's not. And maybe that makes me old and grumpy, but that's just the way I feel about this. I will tell you one of my concerns, though, is that as I walk by construction sites mm. where people are operating heavy machinery and are high up and all of those things, I don't mean high up, like physically high <laughs> well, up. They are. <laughs> um, but honestly, the amount of cannabis that I smell going by construction sites really concerns me. And maybe it's not showing up in evidence, but man, I, I, it just, it bothers me that people are doing these things and clearly, you know, having a nice toke in the morning before they start. Yeah. Uh, and Scott Reed, I know you're back in the room again. Uh, we've moved on to the pot discussion, talking about the fifth anniversary of legalization. And I am with Deb, Deb on that. I have to say, pretty well every day I can smell pot in the garage where I park my car. And it's heavily populated by, you know, guys in reflective vests. You know, in the late 80s, uh, I, I worked as a drywaller, and 
Those guys were stoned all the time, too, eh? Just so we're crystal clear, it may not have been legalized, but uh, they were all wrecked. Uh, so if, you're, uh, if your house, uh, if it doesn't look like your walls are square, there's a reason. I, to me, the biggest failure of the whole thing has been the commercialization aspect of it. Um, I, I don't think that the actual introduction of, you know, the, the retail chains, uh, how we actually handed out licenses to producers, it created a gold rush that turned out to be a fool's gold rush. Um, it hasn't really bounced back. We're stuck with a squillion uh, retail shops everywhere. There hasn't really been enough money to even uh, facilitate consolidation in the sector. I think we got all of that wrong, and uh, I wish we could go back in time and get it right. Uh, it would seem conservative MPs in Ottawa would like to summon CBC executives before a Commons committee and argue with them over why they use militant instead of terrorist. Um, Jerry, I'd imagine you're probably on board with this because I've been listening to the show the last little while, uh, but there is a reason it's in the AP guide. You know, you're supposed to say militant because terrorist is an opinion. Well, this is a ridiculous thing to say uh, because it's not an opinion. They're a terrorist organization. Every civilized government in the world says so, including ours. So calling it an opinion is just a way of weaseling out of, uh, for reasons that escape me, calling terrorism what it is. There's a difference between a militant and a terrorist, and a terrorist attacks the civil population. It attacks the children, attacks the elderly, attacks uh, anybody at all in order to commit terror. That said, calling the CBC executive before some sort of committee in Ottawa will be about as effective as it was with the grocery guys. Well, also, Scott, it zeroes in on the CBC when every journalistic outfit is doing the same thing. I'm trying to remember if it fits into your time frame where an MP got into trouble because he wanted to call Nelson Mandela a terrorist. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, uh, oh, God, his name escapes me now. Rob something or the other uh, from Alberta. The guy was a tool. Uh, I can remember conservatives rolling their eyes at the guy, too. Um, look, you know, I, I agree with Jerry that Hamas is indisputably a terrorist group. Um, but the reality is that the AP guide says this is the term to use, the term not to use. So, you know, don't don't beat up CBC uh, or, frankly, CTV, uh, you know, change the standard. Um, and, you know, this is polit- political grandstanding, trying to, again, accuse, you know, journalists of malintent, trying to script from a political level what journalists do and don't report, how and how they don't report it. And uh, and it's odious. And it's, it's cheap politics. And it's actually a slippery slope towards, sorry, we can only report what uh, Pierre Polyev would like to hear and that's a that's that that's an alarming instinct that's an anti-democratic instinct in a guy who was on track to be prime minister Deb Hutton your thoughts well I think Scott's a little over the top on it however I don't disagree <laughs> with the sentiment that if if uh, journalistic outlets are sticking with that particular guide, which they should and shouldn't go outside of it, then that's the guide. And there are so many other ways that we could beat up on the bias of the CBC. Yeah, or beat up on the CBC. You don't have to have a committee hearing. Or uh, just get rid of it. A guy, <laughs> that's a much longer discussion. A man brought an e-bike on a subway and uh, everybody lost their minds. Uh, Scott Reed, I'd say as long as it was during the same period of time where you can bring a dog or a bike, I don't really care. 
Did you see the thing? It was a freaking moped. It was a motorcycle. It was a it was a snowmobile. The thing was a freaking it was a flatbed truck. It's ridiculous. And <laughs> these people riding these motorized, you know, uh, skateboards on the freaking side. I'm, I'm 130 years old when it comes to this topic. I wish it was legal to clothesline these guys when they go zipping past me with their freaking Uber Eats pack on their back on the sidewalk and nearly mow down my 10 year old kid. Sorry, I got zero time for this. Make some rules, enforce some rules. If this isn't the rule, then change the rule. Jerry? Well, it looked like a motorcycle to me. <laughs> they don't belong on the on the subway. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Deb Hutton, like I said, I can't get exorcised about it because I don't know how it was inconveniencing anybody. Having just slammed Scott, I am so with Scott on this topic. <laughs> oh, my God. He's right. It's a motorcycle. And we are getting out of control. You have small kids. Uh, mine's nine. Scott's ten. Like, it is scary stuff on our streets. And to let it go on a subway? Stroller fine. Bike fine. Dog fine. Grocery buggies. Backpacks. Our subways are full. And now we're going to put, essentially, small cars on the subway? Absolutely ridiculous. All right. It's a three-person ruling from this court. It's uh, just coming up to 8 o'clock, so my thanks to Jerry Agar, Deb Hutton, and Scott Reed. That was a fairly passionate affair, wasn't it? Always cracks me up, you know, on the morning brief this morning, it was uh, Tim Hudak, and he got completely worked up over the e-bike on the subway. And I'm thinking, we're talking about, you know, urban affairs and conflict in the Middle East, but the one thing everybody's going to lose their mind over is an e-bike on the subway. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.